At Kroger, we know the minute a tomato is picked, the fresh timer starts. The sooner we get our produce to you, the fresher it is. That's why we've shortened the time from harvest to home for our tasty tomatoes, strawberries, and salads. So no matter how you shop, you have more time with your fresh produce. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan. I am your host, and this week we are going to be getting into eating disorders. I've got a few emails from some of you guys, and earlier this month was actually National Eating Disorders Week. So exciting stuff, getting some more awareness out there. Today we're having a very special guest, someone you guys might recognize from my season of The Bachelor. She left early on, but has just the most amazing, wonderful heart ever, and I'm so excited that she's going to talk with us today and that she's going to be vulnerable and open her heart and share her journey with an eating disorder. So welcome, Liz, to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes, me too. You were quite literally one of my favorite people that I met throughout this experience. And I just feel so grateful and blessed to know you as a person because you're just like a wonderful, wonderful person. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I was, Taylor, I absolutely adore you. And I'm excited that you're moving toward the East Coast and we'll be closer and maybe we can hang out. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. Chicago is not too far from New York. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So today we are getting into eating disorders and we have some letters uh, from some listeners that we'll go over a little bit later on and just a reminder that those letters can be sent to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com and all letters are read anonymously so don't worry we're keeping it confidential. So there are three different kinds of eating disorders um, and first one that we'll kind of get into is anorexia. Second is bulimia. And then third is binge eating disorder. So Liz, do you want to share a little bit about like what you know about anorexia? Yeah. um, Well, anorexia, that's going to be when you're not eating, when you're depriving yourself. Um, And it can come in a lot of different forms. Um, I know throughout my journey, there were points um, when I struggled with that. Um, I struggled with eating disorders for 13 years. And when I was going through my anorexia phase, I would be working out for like three hours a day and barely eating. Mm -hmm. And um, I would drink water, but still was just really trying to limit my intake um, and try to sweat out as much as I could. I know for some people that it's um, strictly just not eating Mm -hmm. um, and trying not to drink. Um, It could be um, correlated with the binge eating too, if people mm-hmm. binge eat and then they deprive themselves for a long time to make up for that. Um, yeah. And sometimes yeah. there is some uh, purging as well, but typically it's a limited food intake or no food intake with perhaps some taking of laxatives or vomiting. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I know like for me too, cause mine was mostly uh, bulimia, but when mm-hmm. I would go through like my phases where I was really trying to, um, I guess like the anorexic phase of that, I would limit everything that I ate. And then if I did eat like one extra bite of something, just that extreme guilt would come in and then I'd have to throw it up, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it would kind of bounce back and forth between the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think with anorexia and bulimia that with anorexia, you can see some components of bulimia, but that typically with bulimia, there isn't the lack of intake where there is with anorexia. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, And so kind of transitioning to to bulimia, that's where you said you've experienced more of your journey was in that binging and purging area. Yeah. Well, and I didn't even really know that, I guess, at first, because I think it started off more, I wasn't binging. Um, when I guess it first began, I would eat. And if I just felt like a little too full, I would kind of feel guilty and I felt like I had to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then eventually like over the years that led into, that was my control in my life. That was, you know, the thing that was mine. And I would like, I'd get really stressed out and then be like, okay, I'm just going to go eat this and then go throw it up. 
Mm-hmm. So it was like intentionally binging on things. And, and at what age? And at what um, age would you say that kind of started? Well, so my journey started really young. Um, I was 13 when it kind of first started, but very, very lightly, very rarely. Um, and then um, it wasn't probably until I was about 19 when I had left for school um, that that real mm-hmm. journey kind of happened, that, um, I started turning more toward food for comfort yeah. and then, um, I would overeat and then get rid of it. And then it just started this huge downward spiral. And like I said, it became like my stress reliever. I didn't know how to deal with emotion. I didn't know how to deal with pain because yeah. I would constantly numb it mm-hmm. through that. Um, and I did that until I was about 26, mm-hmm. um, until I really started to, get healing. And I mean, I went through phases. It wasn't constant. I would go months without it. Um, but then I realized there was a point in my journey where the months were shorter. You know, I'd be proud of myself if I went a week without it, you mm-hmm. know, and then I'd be like, oh, I haven't done it for a couple of days. Like you're doing good, you know, and then I'd go through periods where it was an everyday thing. Yeah. Um, and I will probably get into it more later, but I mean, I, I messed up my health mm-hmm. through it as well. Like I had physical repercussions because of it. Yeah. So, I mean, with, yeah. And thank you for, for sharing all of that. And I think with bulimia, there are some signs that maybe are less apparent health wise as, as there is with anorexia. Usually that's a physical thing you can see on someone's weight, like that, uh, there's a problem with body image and, um, that there's denial of low body weight. And with bulimia, um, you know, typically the binging and the purging can be done in secret or family members and friends aren't really aware of it because it's done in a hidden manner. So the signs are a little bit more difficult to see, uh, because you can be perfectly fine weight. You can sometimes be overweight. What, what kind of health signs did come up for you or symptoms that, you know, were letting you know that something was going wrong or that perhaps someone else could see? Well, it was pretty, it was, I guess I don't think other people can necessarily see. Yeah. Um, the majority of my friends had no idea because I've always been a very happy-go-lucky type person, mm-hmm. um, pretty relaxed. But people close to me in my life knew because it was something that I didn't want in my life. And so I, you know, did confide in people close to me to help support me. Um, But I also realized when they would support me, it pushed me further, Mm -hmm. you know, like when they'd be like, you know, why are you doing that? Or if if Mm -hmm. you haven't been there, then you don't know. And So, so how did you get to that point though, where you were able to uh, bring it up to someone. We have a, a letter from someone who is struggling with that, that, that point exactly. Uh, she says that she's been seeing a therapist for an eating disorder for the past three months, that she hasn't told anyone except, she hasn't told anyone about her problems with food except for her therapist, and she doesn't really know how to bring it up with her boyfriend or her best friend. She asks, how would you bring it up with someone when Outwardly, it doesn't seem like you have a problem at all. I feel like they won't believe me or think I'm kidding when in reality, I'm really sick. I want to be able to tell them. Yeah. Well, I mean, and having somebody not take you seriously, so that I'm thinking that you're kidding, you know, I think could be really hard because it is a serious problem and you don't realize the severity of it unless you're in it. And so I think how I got to that point was I just, I got so sick of, doing a feeling that that was my only way of coping mm-hmm. of like, I'm super stressed out. Okay. This is what I'm doing now. And then you can't turn back. Mm-hmm. Like I, once I would start, you know, eating something, I'm like, great. Now I better just eat the rest of it. Cause I'm going to go throw it up anyways. Yeah. And, and I can't tell you how many times I was bawling like on the bathroom floor or crying over the toilet while I was doing it, like praying, like, why am I doing this? Like, take this from me. I don't understand. Like, why can't I stop? Like those demons are real. And so I just, I got to a point where it's like, I don't want this to affect my life. Mm -hmm. Like it, it ruined a relationship for me. And like, I, I know that it can affect your fertility and I want to have kids. Mm -hmm. I know that it affects your metabolism, you know, and it overall, um, you know, it was just something that I didn't want to take into my next relationship. And I didn't want to take into a family 
And so I knew that meant like telling somebody close to me mm-hmm. and maybe for her, maybe it's not her boyfriend right away, you know, or it's just telling somebody in your life that you can tell them like, Hey, I'm really struggling right now. Yeah. And, I mean, and, maybe it's even inviting her boyfriend to a session with her or her best friend to talk right. about it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but yeah, so some of the physical, I guess, health signs for me, um, was I remember one time I started throwing up blood and that was the first time that I was like, Love. this isn't right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, why is this You're happening? You're like, wait, that's different. That's not supposed yeah. to happen. So I ended up going to a homeopathologist in Las Vegas who I absolutely love and adore. She helped me so much. Um, and we ended up, I was very open and honest with her and she ended up running a bunch of blood tests on me because, because of the eating disorder, like I, I was always tired. I knew I was kind of depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really feel depressed, like the way people with clinical depression would describe it. Um, but I knew I wasn't myself. Yeah. I didn't have energy. I didn't have motivation and she did some blood tests on me and come to find out my DHEA level, which is your female testosterone, is supposed to be at your peak in your mid-20s. And mine was that of like a 50-year-old lady. Mm. And um, my thyroid, my T3 and my T4 were off. Um, And my thyroid was extremely messed up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I chose to take the natural route with her. Um, I didn't want to get on thyroid medication, but they have certain supplements and she put me on certain things. But it took a couple, it took two or three years for my levels to get back to normal. Yeah. Um, but I could tell such a huge difference, but it wasn't going to get back to normal with just taking the supplements. Like I actually mm-hmm. had to do work in myself. Yeah. To actually you know, work to, to reduce or totally stop those behaviors. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to take a quick break to talk to you guys about Flex. I've been getting so many messages about this product. So for those of you who haven't heard me talk about this before, I started using this new period product called Flex. It's a menstrual disc and completely replaces tampons, pads, and menstrual cups. It lasts for 12 hours, is full body safe, reduces cramps. And I know this sounds crazy, but you can actually have sex during your period while wearing it. I know you've heard me say that I've fully switched from tampons, but I wanted to share a message I got from another listener also. Taylor, I am totally obsessed with Flex too. I swear that every single girl in my sorority house is a Flex convert. Anyways, I think you mentioned that you have a light period and tampons aren't comfortable for you. Well, unfortunately, I have the opposite problem. I have a super heavy period and was changing super plus tampons like every two hours. It made doing anything, working out, going out, being in class, a total nightmare during my period. Flex has literally changed my life. Now I can go the whole day without having to worry about changes or leaks. Also, this may be TMI, but I did try having sex with Flex and oh my God, I couldn't believe it. No mess, totally comfortable. And my boyfriend said he couldn't tell I had anything in there. Tell your other listeners that they won't regret trying this product. Guys, I'm telling you, this product is a game changer. I've partnered with them to give you a three-month trial for only $12 and free shipping. Just go to IHateTampons.com and use my code TAYLOR to try Flex for three months for only $12. Now back to the show. It is much more of an emotional thing, of a, of a mental process, than it is just the behaviors to stop. Um, you know, and I think... It, one of the things for treatment, you know, is to help assist with regaining weight to a healthy level with anorexia and with bulimia to interrupt the binge purge cycle. But those thoughts and, and feelings are still going to be there. The the thoughts and feelings of guilt that you mentioned earlier, those are yeah. really real and really strong. And that will push you back down that road if if you don't address that. Well, and I think also just the shame that mm-hmm. comes with it. Absolutely. I was so ashamed of myself, of my behavior, and the fact that this is what I did. Um, I was disgusted with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I didn't want people to know. You know, it's like embarrassing, but just the fact that I knew deep down inside, like, I'm beautiful, I'm whatever, blah, 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 all the things that people tell you, you know, and it's like, yeah. I knew that, but at the same time, I'm like, you don't you don't get it, you yeah, know, you and didn't feel, you didn't feel that way about yourself, but you logically knew that it was true. 
Yeah, absolutely. And there's just so much shame that comes with an eating mm-hmm. disorder because it it is something that's in the dark. And it is something yeah. like you can tell when somebody you're going, when you have a friend that's an alcoholic, you kind of know. Thank you so much for bringing that up because this is somewhat personal for me to share. Uh, I... When I got out of school with my bachelor's, I had two things that I were my boundaries that I was not going to work with. One was schizophrenia and the other was eating disorders. And Uh partially because those two things really scared me and I didn't know how to deal with them and I didn't feel competent enough to help someone struggling with those issues. Those seemed way out of my reach coming out of school. And my first uh, client in my internship with my master's program came in and she was struggling with bulimia. And, you know, that was a real turning point for me of like, okay, how do I handle this? And the first session, she shared with me a lot of the shame that she had been feeling and about how nervous she was to just even say these words to me as a new person, knowing I'm a therapist, knowing that I'm not here to judge her. She still was really scared to open up and talk about it because she already felt kind of gross and disgusted with herself and didn't want someone else to be putting that on her. And the moment she said that, I was like, whoa, Taylor, check yourself. Like, <laughs> that's right. When you come in here, the judgment pans are out the door. Like, and I think just just expressing that to someone and being really raw with that with those feelings of shame and and guilt can help reduce any kind of judgment that they would have on you opening up with these issues. At least it it did for me. No, absolutely. And I think the the parallels with uh, substance abuse disorders are really real here when talking about uh, eating disorders. This client that I was talking about also struggled with alcoholism and, uh, you know, so many of the details of the eating disorder that you even spoke about earlier with your journey is very parallel to someone who would talk about, you know, struggling with being addicted to alcohol. Right. Well, I mean, they're both numbing mechanisms, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, you know, and I'm sure like for any addiction too, it's something that it's not like you're proud of it, you know, but you are, you are burying something you are, Mm -hmm. you don't want to feel something. You don't want to go through something and easier just to keep it down than to let Mm -hmm. it out, you know? With, with both of them, you're literally pushing things down inside of you, whether it's food or alcohol or a drug, whatever, um, to cope with something difficult, to cope with these hard feelings and emotions. And, um, you know, particularly with uh, bulimia, the purge aspect of it is, is that sense of control and, and relief of it. That was something, you know, I learned a lot from that client was the sense of relief with the purging? Well, and purging actually in itself is an addiction. Your body actually in, produces endorphins mm-hmm. when that when you're doing that because, um, like, I don't know, you're forcing yourself almost into this fight or flight almost type mode, right? So your adrenaline kind of gets going and you have some endorphins kick in and it feels good. Mm-hmm. I had, um, you know, somebody very close to me be like, does it actually feel good when you do that? And I was like, yeah, actually it does. I feel so much better after I throw up. Mm-hmm. Like, and I felt horrible saying that, but yeah. I had to be honest with her. And the difference though with eating disorders compared to um, drug addiction or alcohol addiction is we need food to survive. Exactly. You can't get away from it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that's so much harder. You can't like, yeah. with alcohol, it's like, I'm not going to go to a bar. I'm not going to hang around people who drink. That's like, oh wait, I need food to survive. Yeah. And and that's where the the notion that, you know, this is like a lifelong disease or disorder is ve- very parallel with both of them. Because even though you don't need those substances to survive, for some of them, they are a part of our daily societal life, you know? Um, and with food, particularly, you're 100% right. Like, that's something, a lifelong journey of, you know, learning to cope with that in a healthy way. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, um, so I I sought a lot of different help throughout this journey. I saw um, a therapist. I saw um, an eating disorder counselor. I saw a psychologist. Um, I just, I 
I just remembered nothing really fit though until I had met someone who had been there. Mm-hmm. Um, for me at least, and um, I don't know. It was like I would start therapy, and I would maybe go a couple months, and then I drop out. So props to the girl that's been going for three months because, like, you're already further than I ever got with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it can be hard to find a person that you mesh with. It can be hard to start opening those wounds up if you're not ready. It, there, there's definitely a lot of obstacles involved sometimes. Well, and I felt like it kept getting directed away from the eating disorder. But what I didn't realize at that time was I had to address other areas in my life yeah. in order to heal that. And so I, I would be like, wait, but we're not talking about the problem. We're not talking about the problem. But mm-hmm. that's because this was my way of coping with those problems. Yeah, that the the binging and purging itself was just the way to cope with the actual problems. Right. And yeah. I don't think I was ready to really address those. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I Eventually, I went to this one psychologist, and she just, like, she kind of broke it down for me and helped me, and I think that that's kind of what kick-started my healing. Um and I remember one thing, I grew up in a very like Christian conservative home, small town, Nebraska. I absolutely adore my family. Um, but I definitely was a rebel and um, not when I was younger, I was a really good kid, but it was probably when I was 19, started my rebellious stage. And that's also when my bulimia got worse. And that and, was when you had gone off to college as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was away for a year and then I came back home and my family then moved to Vegas. So I went with them. Um, and just kind of started working. I started kind of in the workforce. Um, and so I knew like most of the people in my family were like pastors and graduated college. And like one thing that I discovered through my therapy was like, I just felt like I had nothing. Yeah. As in my mid twenties, I didn't graduate college. I doubt my parents were proud of me. I, you know, worked at a nightclub. Mm-hmm. I, all of this stuff and that the lady that I was seeing got me to a point where I felt comfortable having that conversation with my mom. And so I was able to do that. And I just, I remember the night exactly. I, I went to the kitchen, she was sitting there and I was like, mom, I just feel like you guys aren't proud of me. Yeah. And it's like, she just like started falling, you know? And she was like, Liz, like, of course we're proud of you. She's like, you've taught us so much, you know, and just having that conversation with her to know that like my parents were proud of me, even though like in my mind, I felt very broken at the time mm-hmm. like that, you know, I'm like, wow, I am so loved. I am this. That was the first time it kind of set in for me to yeah. begin that healing journey. Yeah. To know that you are good enough. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad to know that you reached out and that you had that support from her. And I think that is a particular point that creates a lot of fear. And I, and I imagine you maybe were a little, you know, nervous going into that conversation with her. And I think that's the point where people avoid because it is so scary because there's that fear of rejection and that belief that you're not good enough being confirmed. And unfortunately, sometimes it is, and that just continues the the repetitive cycle of of the binging and the purging. Um, I want to take a second to talk about a program that I've started to help take care of myself called Beachbody. It's an online fitness streaming service that gives you unlimited access to over 600 workouts. They have really intense workouts like P90X and Insanity, but they also have low-impact stuff like 21-day fix and three-week yoga retreat. I really like the three-week and three-day yoga retreat workouts because it's consistent with my wellness goals, but they really do actually have something for every level and for all kinds of different preferences. You can access it anytime from anywhere. You can use your computer, phone, iPad, whatever you have to log in and do a workout. It's really great if you don't want to go to the gym or if you only have a few minutes and still want to stay fit. You need to give this service a try. Right now, my listeners can get a free trial membership when you text Taylor to 303030. You will get full access to this entire platform for free, all the workouts and nutrition information free. Just text Taylor to 303030. Now back to the show. Was there a point, I mean, you, you, you kind of talked about 
how you experienced this for a while and then went and got help. Um, was that like a one and done kind of thing? Like after you got help, was were there any other times that it came up for you? Like, I don't know if going on the show at all brought any of that up. Um, no, going on the show actually didn't. I think that that was at the point where I, I had really been fully healed, I guess, yeah. from it. Um, I mean, you but- honestly came across to me like you were very confident with yourself, like very yeah. like a- appreciating yourself as a whole person. Like, you know, I, I think obviously we didn't get to see a lot of who you are through the time on there. So I'm super thankful that I had the time with you that I did have in real life. Um, but that, you know, you, you kind of had a grasp on, on who you were and why you were the way you were. No, absolutely. And honestly, I feel like my journey to healing, like I said, I tried to get help so many times, but then I'd kind of back out and go down the cycle. My, my journey probably took a couple, it was a couple of years. Yeah. And, um, right about the time I went on the show, I would say like I was that couple year period was over mm-hmm. and I don't think I would have gotten through that experience if I was still struggling with it because that was super stressful. <laughs> yes. It certainly uh, creates a lot of stress. Yeah. But that's also where, I mean, I did have to do a lot of self work, yeah. um, to get to a point where I was very confident in who I am. And part of my journey of healing that was really, really hard was that, so that addiction to food was still there. So the binge eating, but once I eliminated the purging, it was like one step at a time. And it's like, okay, I ate too much. I'm not going to throw this up. Mm -hmm. And then that was really, really hard. Um, and then I gained some weight, like throughout my healing experience, um, just trying to find that balance for myself. My thyroid was still healing. Um, and so I want to be encouraging for anybody out there who is going through healing and your body's going through changes. Like that's you loving your body and healing your body and getting it back to what it needs to be. And it might fluctuate. And, you know, it's it's finding you. It's going to take a while to find that healthy balance for yeah. you. Yeah, we have a listener that wrote in. She said, I'm 22 years old and have struggled with binging and purging for 10 years. I have recently relapsed after two whole years of not binging and purging. I'm so disappointed in myself for relapsing and have struggled with the guilt. While each day is a struggle for me, I'm trying not to be too disappointed in myself for slipping up. I've never gone to counseling or therapy for this, and my family does not know that I struggle with this. Do you suggest going to counseling? I am shy and unsure about counseling or even if I could afford it. As I mentioned, I've been feeling so incredibly guilty and disappointed about losing the strength I had gained in these past two years. Are there any books you would suggest or just advice on how to stop feeling guilty and and start moving forward? I would really love to beat this and put behind this horrible issue. I used to be strong enough to handle this, but I have had a lot happen in my personal life in the past year to make me fall back into anxiety and binging and purging. I'm trying to take my life back, but this fight is so difficult. Any advice on the guilt and anxiety that goes along with this would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. And, um, I, so one thing that did help me when I didn't go to counseling was I found actually an eating disorder support group in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And there was only about five or six of us there. And, um, it and was, how, how did you go about finding that? I'm pretty sure I just Googled it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I believe remember. that there are like eating disorder support groups, um, in, you know, each city, uh, it, 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 because there are so many parallels with substance abuse disorders, um, support is so important in this and like learning from other people around you who are struggling with the same thing is so powerful. So I'm sure if you Google, Googled it in your area, you could find one. Well, and it's so nice to know that you're not alone. And I realized that what it was like when I went to the group, I was like, wow, like these girls are struggling too. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some guys in there and just like being able to be real and raw. Like I could be yeah. like, Hey, I went to the store and I got a couple of donuts that I was planning on throwing up when I got home, but I locked myself out of my apartment and I went across the street and I threw up in a Walmart bathroom. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, 
and people are like, wow, I've been there. One time I threw up in the dumpster. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they, they know what that feeling is. They know what that panic is of being like, I have to get this out right now. I can't get this out. And you don't feel alone, but then they can be like, Hey, I see you. I've been there and you can get past this. Yeah. And, and you get that, you get that compassion that maybe you haven't been able to give to yourself. And that's where, you know, in order to cope with, sorry, I was just getting a call. Um, in order to cope with the shame and the guilt, you know, the, one of my favorite things that Brene Brown says and is so spot on is that silence feeds shame. And mm-hmm. to kill shame, we need to speak about it. So knowing that this listener hasn't told anyone in her family or any of her friends um, and isn't in therapy, that this is something she's keeping totally 100% to herself, you know, the shame and, and anxiety and guilt is going to be fought through talking about it. Well, and I would also try to look at as many free resources as you can. I know a couple mm-hmm. jobs that I worked to, worked at, they had, um, they offered free, like counseling. Yeah. You could call in and talk to somebody. Um, I know. I bet if you reached out to some people and just like let them know, like, hey, this is my struggle. I don't know if I can afford this. Do you have any plans that you work with people? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like really trying to find. Um, any type of resource that either you can afford or that is free and available to you because um, it's definitely great. I mean, even just like you writing in and talking about it, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're putting words to it, you know? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is, that's awesome. Um, But, and, and it's awesome that you went two years without, you know. Yeah, like to not forget to, not to forget to acknowledge and appreciate the uh, time that you have had with not binging and purging. Like, because you've relapsed, it doesn't take away the progress that you have made. You have made progress. And even with that slip up, there's still so much to learn from that. You know, like, I think... I mean, from my experience with treating substance abuse disorder and relapses, you know, self-compassion is huge when it comes to relapses. Right. Well, and I, so we talked about this a little bit earlier, Taylor, about how when you're trying to get rid of something in your life, though, you do have to replace it. And Mm -hmm. I know that part of my struggle to healing was I kept replacing it with the wrong things. And then I would come back to throwing up, but it was all things that I thought would relieve my stress or I would act out a certain way because I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. Um, so I think finding a healthy way to, um, replace that in your life with Mm self-compassion and love is awesome. Yeah. And I mean, this is where I think if, if you are able to afford therapy, uh, if you have insurance, if not, find a good friend to pissed or open up to family. Uh, but, you know, if, if you are in therapy, that doing some kind of cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, which is known as CBT, um, can be really helpful because, like you said, it's, it's these thoughts and emotions that are still coming up that then create the relapse and are what lead to the actions. So, you know, searching for someone who practices CBT can help you actually address those thoughts and emotions to help reduce uh, the amount that that behavior comes out. And you're totally right that oftentimes it's replacing with something else. And that really just comes down to learning how to cope with things differently. And that's such a huge thing of knowing how you're going to cope with things in life because life can be really shitty sometimes. And, you know, that's where like self-care comes in. And we've talked a lot about self-care on the pod. Um, Are there specific things that you've done, whether it's specifically related to the struggle with, you know, the eating disorder or just life in general for you know, self-care and and coping with things in a healthy way and maybe some ways that you've coped that weren't the healthiest? Yeah. um, Well, I'll start with weren't the healthiest. I think that I turned to, uh, well, for a while when I like quit throwing up, I started smoking cigarettes because it like also gives you that endorphin release. And I was working with the same homeopathologist and she would ask me like how much I was smoking. And I told her, and she's like, oh, you're not smoking that much. She's like, you're not addicted to the nicotine. You're addicted to the release that you get from it. Mm-hmm. And I was still chasing that release, you know? Um, 
I was never like a huge partier, but I think I also kind of acted out sexually as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a huge part. Love. Yeah, that's a huge part too is being a, you know, young woman trying to have control of things in her life. Like sexuality is a huge piece to try to, you know, take that control. Well, and I think that I felt in control mm-hmm. then. Yeah, you think was, you are. Like, right, exactly. Like I was single. I felt in control of the situation. Um, basically, then I was just using my body to kind of control, which, you know, is not healthy either. So um, I think, I mean, the huge release for me came when um, I went through a program to get certified as a life coach. And it made me just dig so deep into myself. Yeah. And I legit, like, I had to go back to that 13-year-old girl who first, like, stuck her finger down her throat and tell her, like, you are so beautiful and you are so loved and you are so worthy. And um, I I did exercises of, like, I would look myself in the mirror and say it. Mm -hmm. And there were times that I couldn't you know, that I couldn't look myself in the eyes and say it because I didn't believe it. Um, And I think I was just super blessed with people around me who were very supportive and loved me. And um, I, a huge part. So I'm going to share a quick story if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because I also want to touch on the, you can kind of almost be genetically prone to binge eating. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I had taken a job overseas and I was gone for about five months and I was really, really struggling. And I found this song um, that starts off like, and it says like, in the course of it, it says, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. And I would listen to that every night falling to sleep. And I would just pray like, okay, God, break every chain in my life that's linking me to this disease, break every chain in my life that's linking me to things that aren't for me, things that I'm doing that don't need to be there. And, um, and one morning I like woke up and I just felt different. And I called my dad and my dad was like, oh my gosh, I was just talking about you to a coworker of mine. And he goes, and I just had this overwhelming feeling Liz, that you're healed. And I was like, it was like just this crazy experience. And, um, and I realized though, my, I grew up and my dad struggled with binge eating and I saw him cope with his stress that way. Mm. And I didn't know like that that was a thing, you know? And I just like knew in that moment, like that was just kind of confirmation of like, you don't have to struggle with this forever. Cause I remember being told through, through so many different things. Like you're going to struggle with this the rest of your life. You're going to struggle with this the rest of your life. And you might, you might, Mm -hmm. you know, but I also just believed that you can't tell me what to do. (laughs) 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 You know, like there's that rebellious side of me of like, Oh really? No, watch me. I'm not going to. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I didn't know like that it could be a genetic thing either. And I felt like knowing that that could be part of it also brought me peace because my dad has really struggled with binge eating. And I know that when he was stressed or whatever, and I saw that growing up that he would do that, you know? And so it could be part of a learned behavior. I don't know. You were saying Mm -hmm. something about how the genetic before. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of research has shown this, um, and this will be linked um, in the episode notes here from the American Psychiatric Association, the APA, uh, that genetics does play a large role. Um, You know, there's also the environment that plays a role, but... In, in one hand, um, if eating disorders were the results solely of societal pressures for thinness, which is a big piece, especially in adolescence, that you would also expect eating disorder rates to have increased as obesity has in the past few decades, yet anorexia and bulimia remain relatively rare and often in cluster families. So that research and, and that kind of thought process in a whole um, does lend to the fact that there is a huge genetic component. And and aside from, I mean, I guess a combination of nature and nurture of genetics and environment that if you grow up seeing and witnessing and learning behaviors like that from a family member, that, I mean, that, that's how you're learning how to cope with things. And that seems normal. I mean... What what kind of binging behaviors did you observe from observe from him growing up? 
Well, I think that was it. I mean, he worked a lot and he was gone a lot. And I think sometimes he would just be so tired or maybe he was stressed out and he would just kind of like walk around aimlessly eating random things. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, um, and I found myself doing that in my adulthood a lot too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Uh, I think, I think a lot of people do that, frankly. I think it's something, it may not be to the point of binge eating disorder, but I I think a lot of people, you know, work all day, really stressed, don't take any time for themselves and then get home and just want to, you know, completely detach and they're just going to, you know, walk around, eat all the food, just keep eating, just keep eating. And this is your self-care. This is your relaxing time, you know? Right. Well, and I know another thing that helped me too was realizing, so when my eating disorder first started, it was kind of right when I was hitting puberty and I was always a string bean. Like I got made fun of for how skinny I was. And then Mm -hmm. I hit puberty. It was like, boom, I had hips, I had a butt, Mm -hmm. I had curves and I was so self-conscious. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I couldn't borrow my sisters, my older sister. Like I couldn't borrow her clothes anymore because I didn't fit in them. I like guys were looking at me different and I felt so ashamed for how they were looking at me. Mm-hmm. And I felt so ashamed for like becoming a woman. And I think once I realized that I'm like, no, I'm proud to be a woman. Like, yeah. I love that I am a woman. I love that we are the bearer of life. I love mm-hmm. that I have curves now, you know, but it did take me like, quite a while to like but that's also like social like yeah I mean I mean no like especially as an adolescent and the messages that we get from our peers are so important like I kind of received the opposite end of that like I didn't really get hips and curves and I mean I have a like a bubble butt that I love now but like back then you know like I have smaller boobs and smaller butt and people would make comments and people actually make comments today on my Instagram when I post like a a photo in a bathing suit that like what am I anorexic like that I need to go eat a sandwich and you know those kind of comments like definitely influence you um And I think as women, we get it from so many directions, you know, like you're either too fat or you're too skinny or, you know, you need to be this, but then wait, don't be too much of that and be some of this. Um, There were some really interesting findings uh, in an article from APA about the differences in body perception among races. Um, that African-American women are more likely to be affected by binge eating disorder than anorexia or bulimia. And that when it comes to eating patterns, white women were twice as likely to say that they engaged in binge eating as were black women. Then that's 52% versus 29%. Uh, mm. Found that Caucasians have a greater value for a thinner image and that may be related to reporting of more eating disorders in this population, whereas African-Americans value a heavier body type and report fewer eating disorders. That's really interesting. Well, what I was going to say is, like, I feel like the entertainment industry has changed a little bit, which is great, too, because I remember when I, like, I used to always say I thank the Kardashians for making big butts cool. <laughs> I, like, curves started to become cool. yeah. You know, like curves started to become accepted and cool. And I was like, wait, I'm kind of curvy. Like, okay, I can get on this train. But then I also had to be like, you know what? There is no train. It doesn't matter what people tell you. It doesn't matter what's uh, what's matter is like you being the best version of yourself. Yeah, you embracing that in and of yourself. But I think on the other hand, there is a certain empowerment to seeing other women that look and seeing other people that look like you empowering themselves and having a platform and seeing other people that look like you embracing those parts of themselves that you actually might be feeling insecure about or shameful about. That's huge. No, absolutely. I absolutely agree. And I mean, it, it all, it all goes back to, I mean, I know you talked before, like just that self-love and that self-care. And I think that it's, so hard to get to that point for somebody who seems so far from it, you know? So like, well, I guess like, what do you suggest to people who are trying to get back there? Yeah. My personal suggestion for someone who is struggling with feeling shameful about their body, with struggling with eating and and how you're going to cope with things and wanting to take control of your life and, and feel empowered is to first take that step towards 
embracing and being compassionate with yourself. I love the example that you gave earlier with writing affirmations, um, you know, next to your mirror and saying those to yourself. I think that is so vulnerable to do and does take courage to do because it is very uncomfortable, especially when you don't believe it. And when you go to practice something like that, when you can feel that discomfort and like you said, where sometimes you couldn't look at yourself in the eye, um, as you said, those things, cause you didn't believe them, but getting to that place where you, where you can practice that and sitting with it, understanding that it is uncomfortable, but you know, I can't say it and look at myself in the eye. Maybe I'll just look down and say it. And maybe I just need to keep repeating it to myself that I am worthy. You know, the, you was kind, you was smart, (laughs) um, you know, of, of saying those things to yourself. And I think one thing that is very powerful and something I've been doing lately is unfollowing people on social media that make you feel like shit. Yeah. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I'm not above blocking people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, For me, like I needed to just really start actually following accounts of of people that that looked like me. Like when I majority followed, you know, white blonde girls with big boobs and whatever and a bathing suit, you know, like that's not what I look like. And then I would like have someone take pictures of me or I would take a picture. And then there was always this like sense of like disappointment of like, oh, that's not how I wanted that picture to look like, like, oh, that's not coming out right. And I'm like, why is that? And then I'd go back and I'd be scrolling through Instagram and I see these things and it's like, oh, because I'm expecting it to look like that. And that's not what I look like. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it it feels very strange because I feel like I'm pretty confident with myself and like I like myself how I am especially my body and everything but it even like social media plays a huge part in that and I only really had to kind of just realize that in the last few months that it's like okay wait like I need to find some other girls who kind of look like me and who are embracing their curly hair and you know things that like I used to get made fun of a lot for um and that I had then started to feel insecure about like finding those people that you can relate to is super important Because that's that's that support. Well, and I think people underestimate social media and just the comparison that goes through the back of our minds as we Mm -hmm. are scrolling down and scrolling through stuff. It happens on such an unconscious level sometimes. Yes, and comparison is such a happiness killer, man. Mm -hmm. It is. It It is a self confidence killer. It's a happiness killer. It's like, oh, I thought my life was great, but look at this person's life. It's so much greater. Mm -hmm. And and people only put on Instagram what they want you to see. Yeah, like for the most part, there are people who absolutely keep it real. But I mean, it's it's so filtered. Mm -hmm. I think so filtered on there. I think me and you try to reduce some of that like I feel like we both try to post like more authentic things that people can relate to and there was one that I was just thinking of as you were talking about this the other night I posted on my story a meal that I had made for Derek and I and it was super romantic and uh (laughs) it it ended up not being I mean it did end up being a romantic night but not in what was shown on Instagram on Instagram it was you know all the food being prepared and it was so pretty with music and candles and Derek uh you know taking the plate from me and it it was all very very pretty and very cute and the part that I forgot to share on Instagram or that I was too emotionally distressed to share uh, that he kind of shared on Twitter a little bit was he was an hour and a half late home. So the food sat there for about an hour and a half and I just stewed and was angry. And then my tea lights like caught on fire. And so the table (laughs) almost caught on fire and he walked in the room at like the perfect time. And I was like, quick, how do you put out a fire? Do I put water on it? I don't think I put water on it. (laughs) And he was like, oh, put water on it. And I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to. But I was worried that the table was about to catch on fire. So I poured water on it and like a huge flame went up and it was just a whole disaster. And then I was just crying a lot. And (laughs) I was like, I just wanted to have a romantic dinner with you. And then you were late. And then I almost burnt the place down. But but that, that that was the real night that you guys just didn't get to see on Instagram. But it did happen, I promise you. Like, those things, 
do happen and we need to remember that when we scroll through Instagram and are comparing our lives to other people and comparing our bodies to other people's bodies um, that we need to really take a step towards just like appreciating ourselves. Right. No, absolutely. And one thing that I realized during my healing was I became a lot more of an emotional person. And I used to view emotion as weakness. I'm like, if I'm crying, I'm weak, don't look Mm -hmm. at me. And my boyfriend will make fun of me now because sometimes I'll say that too. I'm like, I just feel so weak. He's like, you're crying. It's fine. Like, you yeah, like you're, you're, you're strong and powerful for showing your emotion. You right. Know? But I realized through the healing, cause I wasn't putting my emotions down. I became such an emotional person yeah. and now I like it because I mm-hmm. felt, I was always super compassionate as a kid. And I felt like I lost some of that. And I just really felt it come back. Like yeah. my compassion for people deepened my empathy, mm-hmm. my being able to um, like connect and know with my own emotions, like, Hey, this isn't feeling right. Like, yeah. or being in tune and really listening to myself came back and I used to not be a crier. Now I cry all the time. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that was a beautiful commercial. <laughs> or like I cry for happiness. I cry. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Dr. Fly is just gorgeous. Like, I'm just like <laughs> you're feeling all the feelings, Liz. <laughs> yeah, I do. And, but I like it, but yeah. we're like meant to live life, to feel things, you know, and that's how you know that you're alive and you're a part of it. Yeah. And you can't selectively numb feelings. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very true. That's great. Because I know that when I was doing that, I was kind of numbing it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and you know how much energy that takes to like push that down? Like the one, uh, a section in The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer talks about our energy and opening our heart. And like, I mean, I know for in certain arguments in a relationship, you know, I have to really intentionally be like, open your heart, open it, open it. Don't let it close. Don't let it close. Cause that takes so much energy for us to push those things down. And the same thing with ourselves and with our emotions, like don't, don't close that heart when, you know, you start to feel shameful about how you look or feeling guilty about what you're going to eat. Don't, don't close that off. Like feel it, process it, try to move through it and really talk yourself through that as if, you know, this was a friend telling you these things that they were struggling with. Well, I used to call that my cocoon. Like I would stay in my cocoon and I'd keep my, like myself closed. And that, that is something I didn't say that you just mentioned that's really good is when I would feel that urge, like through my healing um, even if I ate too much and then I wanted to get rid of it, I'd ask myself, like, why am I doing this? Is it mm-hmm. because I ate a little bit too much? Like, what am I really like trying to hide? Or if I had that urge to go binge, I'd be like, okay, like, what don't you want to face right now? Yeah. Like, what are you trying to avoid? Mm-hmm. Or what, is what it is just this the addiction of it? Right, exactly. So I had to start doing yeah. that. And sometimes it was just avoidance in my mm-hmm. life of getting things done to become who I needed to be. Yeah. you know? And so it was, that, that is a really hard question that I did have to mm-hmm. definitely ask myself throughout that healing process. I, I love that. I think that's a really great question. And I think uh, to piggyback off of that, I think sometimes even if you can't figure out a reason why, then asking yourself, am I just doing this out of habit? Am right. I just doing this because this is just what it feels normal to be doing at this point? And if so, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Really, really good questions. I'm, I'm glad you, you shared that part of your experience. Um, one thing that we haven't mentioned yet that I just want to briefly, you know, kind of state and, and touch on here. Um, we've talked a lot about women and while eating disorders are very common in women, it's the third most diagnosis in adolescent females, um, but that this also occurs with men. And unfortunately, I thought I was going to also have a male guest on here to join us in this conversation. And that wasn't able to happen potentially in a future episode. But um, men, you are also, you know, we are also speaking to you in this. So don't want you to feel left out. And I don't want men to be excluded from this uh, conversation. No, absolutely not. I know that there is a lot of pressure on males to look a certain way and Mm -hmm. to be a certain way. And I know some of that comes in the form of the eating disorders that we mentioned. Um, and also, you know, just in your physicality and what defines that, which 
you know, it's, it's all lies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, but I do have, um, somebody very close to me that's in the modeling industry. That's a man. And mm-hmm. it is very, very tough. He said like, he'll go into auditions and they'll just straight up be like, you're too fat. Yeah. You know, when I'm like, there's 0% body fat on you. I don't understand. Yeah. That's hard. M- modeling industry and, and even sports, you know, I feel like both men and women in sports diet is a huge part of that. And that can become a big area of struggle, I think. Well, and a couple, and one other thing that I guess we lightly mentioned earlier is, I mean, these eating disorders, it doesn't always look like that. Mm-hmm. You can be addicted to laxatives. You yeah. can be addicted to appetite suppressors, even mm-hmm. things like Adderall. I know a lot of people will be like, oh, I don't want to eat for the next three days so I can lose weight. Yeah. And they take that. Like that, that is an addiction and that isn't healthy for your body or your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's tons of different forms that that yeah. can come in. So if that is something that you do, maybe just being like, okay, look, what's a healthier way I can go about this? Or is that a problem in my mm-hmm. life? You know? Yeah. I mean, every, everyone's experience is going to look a little bit different, but, you know, typically there are some overall themes that, that people have in common or that they can share. And hopefully some of this today has been relatable in, in some shape or form. Uh, there are two kind of national resources available specifically with eating disorders. You can check out the National Eating Disorders Association and there's also the Eating Disorders Coalition. Um, But just want to, you know, overall reminder here that getting yourself some support, opening up to someone in your life about this, you know, stop feeding the shame, talk about it. you know, finding a psychotherapist somewhere to start digging through some of this stuff. Like we're all only human and, you know, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough, like, or that you're not worthy of anything of love ever. Uh, you know, that's, that's never the case. Um, so I just, I hope at least one of you listening can relate to something in here and, and maybe get some help to, you know, help living a a little bit more of a healthier, happier life. Yeah. And don't forget that you are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You are so beautiful. And I think that that's something that I wish that I would have told myself more on that journey. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you are beautiful, Liz, inside <laughs> and out, inside and freaking out all over. Thank you. You are too, Taylor. Come hang out with me. I know, I know. I need to. I need to. Um, Thank you so much for sharing and getting personal with us here. Um, You know, it's, I I want, let's talk about it to be a safe space and one that people feel comfortable opening up and sharing about these things that can be really uncomfortable to talk about. So I really appreciate your openness and, uh, you know, your honesty and vulnerability with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's something that I, I actually, I always tell myself, like, I should talk more about this just because there, there's somebody out there that needs to hear it, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. thank you so much for giving me a chance to do that. Yeah, of course. Um, you guys can find Liz on Instagram at esandos, E-S-A-N-D-O-S. And D-O-Z. 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 Uh, yeah. And you guys can also find Liz on her own podcast. Yes. It's called Babes and Babies. We talk about motherhood, doula stuff, babies, pregnancy, all of that. (laughs) All the mom stuff. Yes. Yes. And I love your guys' intro. You guys have a really cute intro and uh, some other Bachelor fam on there as well. So you guys should definitely check out Babes and Babies. Um, And then Liz, you're in Chicago. Yes, I'm in the Chicago area, so and I am doing some doula work here. So um, if any of you are having babies there and you need a doula or anything like that, feel free to reach out. Yeah. And how can people do that? Either through my Instagram or my email address. It's full name, Elizabeth Sandoz at gmail.com. And then um, I also have a website, ejsandoz.com. Awesome. 
Cool. Well, yeah, if you're having a baby or are pregnant, which I guess are the same thing, uh, you can find Liz in Chicago and she can be your Adula. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. I miss you and I'll see you soon. I hope. I know. I miss you too. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode this week. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at let's talk about it underscore podcast. You can send us letters of things you're struggling with at ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. Thanks so much. See you next time. podcast is brought to you by Weave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Babes and Babies, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It. So, how does it feel when you play Roll Up to Win with Tim Hortons? Buy a hot or cold beverage using the Tim's app and find out. Roll in the app for a chance to win prizes ranging from free coffee and donuts to a Universal Orlando resort vacation or a sweet car. Oh, don't forget the TV. And this year, every roll is a shot at a $1,000 daily giveaway drawing for two $500 prizes. Roll up to win and get treated by Tim's. No purchase necessary. Account registration required. 50 U.S. and D.C. 18 plus entered by 4223. See rules at rolluptowin.com for free entry of full details. Void in Florida and where prohibited.